What's up, everybody? This is Monica Rivera, host of You Want to Do What? The podcast, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 165 of Chasing Dreams. Before we go any further, guys, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for not just your monetary support, but for also believing in my mission to help inspire, empower, and equip people to chase their dreams. Your help makes it possible for me to continue that work. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Dream Chasers, I am talking to my new friend, Monica Rivera. Monica is a New York City-based podcast producer, consultant, and speaker, living a life full of experiences by shaking up routine and challenging conventional thinking. She is the host of the You Want to Do What, a weekly podcast heard in over 70 countries. You Want to Do What is a podcast about exploring interests, about allowing ourselves to change, choose, and try, whether it's a lifestyle, hobby, fitness transformation, career change, or a bucket list item. Guys, we had so much fun talking that I can't wait for you to listen. So without further ado, here's Monica. Monica, I am so stoked we have finally been able to connect. So am I. This has been a long time in the making, mostly my fault. So no, thank no, no. you for allowing me to be on your show. I'm yeah. happy to be here. Guys, I Mon- Monica was introduced by a mutual friend and former guest, Greg Clunas, who was on the show. Um, I will link his episode in the show notes. And he introduced me to Monica and I was like, Yo, Monica's doing some dope things. We need to have her on the show. And then we actually met at Podcast Movement. Yes. And we just could not connect, though, because you're busy, life, I'm busy, you know. But finally, the stars have aligned, and you've been able to grace us with your presence. (laughs) See, now you're setting up the expectations way too high. I'm just happy to chat with you. And yes, finally, we are here. We're talking for an epic interview. Listen. (laughs) <laughs> I heard about what you're doing and I was like, this girl is helping and making a difference in the world. Seriously. So you're doing this podcast. It's called You Want to Do What? And I was like, what is that about? And, and it's interesting. And so I, before we get to the podcast, because I get so excited, I'm like, let's talk about it. But let's talk <laughs> about you for a second. When you let's were see. young, what was little Monica's dream? Uh, Little Monica had a ton of dreams. So she definitely was always looking to do a lot at a really young age. So I remember I first wanted to be a singer. Mm -hmm. And I remember I sang Greatest Love of All to my mom and said, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to sing this song 
in the talent show. And I stand up and I'm like all excited. I'm singing the song to her. And I remember her looking at me and saying, you know what? I actually, I have this thing with my ear. Like I can't actually hear if the song <laughs> sounds good. And I was so little that I didn't get it. I just thought, okay, my mom just can't tell if the song sounds good. She loves music, but I guess she just doesn't know. And it wasn't until years later, I was like, wow, my mom played me. She didn't want to hurt my feelings. So she totally lied to me. (laughs) And yeah, so then after that, it was really weird because like the next thing I remember wanting to be was a Supreme Court justice. And I wanted to be the first Latina Supreme Court justice. Um, So really different dreams, but it kind of, shows you what my personality was like. And I still continue to be that person. That's, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> props to your mom for letting you down easy. You know, the fact yeah. that years later is when you figured that out. Um, I'm surprised you remember that. I have like, I actually just talked about this earlier today with someone. I have a dangerously sharp memory, which some people love and some people, particularly if I'm in a relationship kind of hate, mm-hmm. but I have a really good memory. I do. I mean, that, that's interesting. So when you were growing up and things were changing in your dreams, did you go to college? I did. Mm-hmm. Did you pursue law if that was your dream before? No. So funny thing happened on the way to college. So I had all these dreams as I was growing up and a lot of them had to do with things that were creative as well. So the Supreme Court justice thing was a little bit of anomaly because it was also like a singer and an athlete, a writer. And I'd enter all these writing contests and I would actually win. And it was pretty awesome. And I remember I had a teacher who, again, told my mom, I think she can really be a great writer. And my mom is a first generation. She came to this country from Cuba. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, I think you're too smart for that. You're not going to make, make enough money doing that. And oh. she didn't see like that there was a possibility to still earn a good living while doing something creative. So she was all about, you have to pick something stable. And I went into economics and that was my major in college. Super boring, super bland. Sorry to anybody who was an econ major, but I just, it wasn't really my bag, Mm -hmm. but I knew that it would kind of get me onto that corporate ladder, which at the time is what I thought I wanted to do. And so now what do you want to do? I want to tell stories. So podcasting is just kind of a tip of the greater piece of what I have in mind store for myself. But ultimately I want to amplify voices. I'm always been someone who's really curious about understanding the why of things happening um, and really trying to kind of pursue either why someone doesn't go after the things that they want or why someone has chosen certain things in their path. And I want to continue to tell those stories and hopefully by sharing those stories, I can influence other people to take that step and do the things that they want to do. So what's interesting to me is, you know, because it's very difficult sometimes to get that voice out of your ear about, you know, stability and safety and, you know, not being a creative. Because you're right. You're absolutely right. I think it's the same for Indians um, Mm -hmm. and probably for other races where, you know, lawyer, engineering, economics, math, Mm -hmm. sciences, those are the doctors. Those are the stable, safe areas. Mm -hmm. But, you know, truth be told, if we didn't have the creatives, the world would be a very different place. And exactly. so, so I'm curious, when did you uh, embrace the creative side? If that ma- Does that make sense or where I'm trying to go with that? Sense. Yeah, okay. no, absolutely. I think I always embraced it just on the low. So I mm. always continued to write. I just didn't share my writing with anyone. I would say about five years ago, 
I picked up a camera and I said, you know, I'm going to just take photos as I walk. And then I thought this is a really great sort of like mindfulness place for me to be in. Because one thing about being a photographer is that you look at things differently. So if you walk the same neighborhood, you're forced to kind of see that same neighborhood in a different way when you do something related to photography. Sure. So once I started to do that, I bought a camera and I would rent out, I would actually rent out cameras just to kind of test it to see if I liked it a little try before you buy. And then my best friends actually gifted me with my first professional camera. And so I did that. Yeah, they were awesome. And so I did that and I would rent different lenses. Then I'd buy those lenses eventually. And I just started to take a lot of photos. And that was another way that I expressed myself. And I'd listened to podcasts for probably 10 or 12 years. And I finally said, you know what? I think I'm going to start one of my own. And it took me a really long time to get there from when I actually bought the mic to when I actually used it. But eventually I did get there. And you're, you're doing such an amazing job kind of sharing. I mean, speaking of telling stories, that's what you do is tell stories. It, it's just the fact that you're doing it on such a large level, right? So you went from being a creative on the low <laughs> to being a creative out in the open. And has, yeah. has sharing podcasting stories or stories through podcasting been what you expected? It's been even more than what I expected, honestly. So oh, yeah. I spent the first six months of my show was just solo episodes because I wanted to feel more comfortable behind the mic before I brought a guest onto my show. Cause I was like, really, I've always been really sensitive to like other people's time and really kind of making sure I can kind of carefully tell their story. So I said six months, behind the mic by myself, and then I'll start bringing other people on. And so once I started to do that, I've just been so surprised by the people who have said yes to come on to the podcast. I would have never thought that before. Um, and just really inspired by their stories. And I like to try to select people that maybe my audience has never heard before or never heard a story like theirs. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me feel really excited. And I love that I'm able to kind of connect these human experiences together um, and bring a lot of people of color. And I don't only have people of color, but I do have a lot of people of color on the show. And I'm able to connect them to an audience that might have never heard them before. Whose story has surprised you or just knocked you out of the park the most? Not that they all haven't, but who's who stands out? The one person that stands out, I interviewed a man named Cyrus Harper. Mm-hmm. He is from Massillon, Ohio. He was living in Atlanta after he graduated and doing what a young guy does. He was like young, good looking guy, had graduated, was making his first amount of money working in the music business. And he had this real kind of come to Jesus moment saying, I think I'm kind of implicit in this environment that I don't want to be a part of. So he didn't do drugs and he didn't drink, but he just kind of felt like, I don't know if I really want to be in this environment or even contribute to it in some small way. And so he had this revelation. Three days later, he packed up his car and he drove from Atlanta to Los Angeles. He knew no one, had no place to live, and he was homeless for six months in Los Angeles, living out of his car. And he got a job working at LA Fitness and he'd use that so he could stay fit, earn some money, take a shower. And he would actually, Amy, go to Toastmasters meetings in Beverly Hills and no one in that meeting would know that he was actually homeless. What? Yes. Amazing. Amazing. And it just shows like if you really want something and you want to change it up, you can do it. You just have to take that first action step and then the other things will follow. 
I'm just blown away by that. Like he, yeah. wow. Yeah. He's an awesome guy and he's gone on to work with the United way. And he's won a philanthropy award with them and another award with boys and girls club. He's written a bunch of books and now he works with a lot of kids um, that come from under performing backgrounds, if you will, and really tries to help them and inspire them with his story and also try to help them get where they want to go in life. Now, one of the things you're trying to do and what you have done and, you know, one of your talks at Podcast Movement is shining a light on diversity and, you know, spotlighting people of color, just people of different backgrounds. And I'm curious because one of the things, you know, for me, also looking for people who are dream chasers, have you had... Have you found that there are more than you expected and that just people just don't know more than I've expected of to find dream chasers? Like they're, they're out there. It's just, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Everyone has a dream. Yeah. I think that what I learned. And so for the, the reason why I started my show is because I was in this corporate job and feeling like all of my lights were dimming. So if you think of a Christmas tree and like first one bulb goes out on a string of lights and you don't really notice it. And then a second one, Mm -hmm. then eventually you come home and you're like, isn't that tree looking a little janky? Like what's up with our tree? And it's because the lights are going out in your tree. And that's kind of how I felt with myself. Like first it was just one thing. I'm just like, okay, then another thing. And I just thought I'm not discontent. I'm really unhappy doing this and I'm not getting opportunities that I'm asking for. And I think it's because these aren't the doors that are for me. And there has to be other people that have been working a job for a really long time or in a certain career that feel like what happened to the person that I used to be and what happened to all of those goals and dreams that I had on my list before. And that's how I started my podcast. And I'm really honest about it. I say I initially started it for me because I needed to dig myself out of the hole that I was in And hopefully that that would resonate with someone else. And I found that it actually does. And a lot of people do have these dreams. We just get so conditioned to go to work, take care of the kids or, you know, go watch Netflix and chill and then kind of rinse and repeat that we forget like, oh, that's right. I used to love playing basketball. I used to love drawing or painting. I used to love going on road trips. And you just kind of have to do that thing once to remind yourself of all the great things that came with it. And then you're golden. It sounds so simple when you say it, right? But you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. We forget that so easily. I, I find that kids are so fearless. A hundred percent. Right? Yes. My, my eight month old niece is so fearless. Like she thinks like, so she scares us on a daily basis by trying to stand on uneven surfaces. Oh my goodness. And she can't fully stand yet. But to her, she's like, I can absolutely stand. It doesn't matter that my leg is like up by my shoulder. I got this. And it's like, no, baby, you don't have this. But to her, she's like, I can do anything. And I just love that mentality. My seven-year-old niece is still there in a lot of ways, but I can even see as seven, she's starting to become a little bit fearful of certain things. Mm -hmm. And when I see that, I think, oh, what can I do to try to help break that so she can just stay in this place of bliss a little bit longer? Have you come up with an answer? Because that's, I think, the key to it all, right? How do we hold on to our fearlessness while growing up? I think a lot of it, and it sounds like so trite and cliche, but you have to still do it even though you're fearful. So for me, when I first sat down to record, 
I was completely fearful. My first episode is trash. Like it is trash. I look back on it. I'm like, why did I even think it was a good idea to start a podcast that way? It was a mess, but I leave it up there so that people can still hear it is messy. It is not polished. And hopefully if they hear the first episode and then the most recent, they're like, okay, that's growth. But it's because I needed to do that. I needed it to be imperfect because I just needed to get it out there. And I didn't care. Like I kind of cared, but then I didn't care because again, I knew I had to do it for myself. And then once I did it once, I said, okay, I'm going to make sure episode two isn't as bad as episode one. And I just kind of said every week you're going to sit down and record. And then eventually you'll look back and you'll have all of these moments that have been strung together into like a year and a half of podcasting. And now looking back, right. And Mm -hmm. how much do you think you've grown? I know the answer to this guy, so I know it's a setup question, but I need her to say it. <laughs> yes, I have unequivocally grown in many ways, even beyond just um, as a podcaster, but as a person, I think I've grown in terms of my interactions with people, like the things that I'm willing to try and experiment with, like all of those areas I've been able to grow in. Is there something or someone, no, no, is there someone you want to have on the show, like a dream guest? Oh, I have so many dream guests. Like, it sounds crazy because I'm sure everyone says this, but like Oprah would be my dream guest. Okay. Um, And for me, like I grew up in the hood in the Bronx. And so there weren't a lot of role models for me growing up. And every day at four o'clock, I would turn on channel seven or ABC in New York and Oprah would be there. And I would just hang on every word because to me, Oprah epitomized what was possible. And it was just something that I needed. And so there's that connection. There's something about watching someone when you're in your formative years, Mm -hmm. doing something that you're like, wow, I think I could do this. I don't know how I could get there, but I think eventually I could move out of the hood or I could be successful or I could have the job that I want to have that really becomes really sticky. And because I watched her at those ages, she will always be that sticky person for me. She'll always be the guest that I want. You know, Let's talk about Oprah for a second, because you're doing something similar to what Oprah is doing. I'm doing something on a different on a different avenue, different. But both of us are both trying to encourage others. What Mm -hmm. was it about Oprah, though, that not only brought everyone to their TV set like you and me and but even to this day, she doesn't have a talk show anymore. I mean, she has Super Soul Sunday. But what is it about Oprah that. Like you said, makes she was a model for possibility, right? But what it because she was a talk show host. I don't want to minimize Oprah. So Oprah fans, please do not jump me. (laughs) But she is a person just like you, just like me. Again, don't jump me, Oprah fans. (laughs) She is just a person. But what is it about her that is amazing to all of us and represents that possibility? What, What do you think? Well, let's just say Oprah Hive. Don't jump into Amy's mentions. Like we both love Oprah. So just leave Amy alone when it comes to this. Right. (laughs) So I think for Oprah, I don't know. I think it's a couple of things. One, she's a person of color. It's a woman. I think even Oprah going through her weight struggles for me as someone who's fluctuated with my weight, that was something else that I could identify with. And she was so open about I really want to be this size, but I struggle getting there. And I have all this money in the world, but I still struggle just like you do. And there was just something about it that felt so authentic 
and like, wow, okay, we're really talking about these things. And I find that specifically, and I'll say this in Latin communities, we don't always talk about the things that are on our mind. Mm. And I've always been the person who wants to talk about it. Like I'm totally fine with confrontation. People think of confrontation is a bad word. I actually don't. I think let's air it out and then we can get past it. I don't want to hold on to something so that it's eating up my inside. I want to just talk about it, express it, and then let's figure out how we can find a solution to it. So Oprah was airing out all those things. And I thought, yes, this is what I want. We need to talk about these things that are difficult and uncomfortable and that most people want to pretend doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, I I think... I think that's a huge part of it. I think she hits a number of demographics, but I also think she listens. Right. You know, I think she creates a safe space for people to believe. Right. You know, in just the variety of topics she had on the show, because her show went from like a talk show to a self-help to interview, like (laughs) it ran the gamut. It did. Yeah. Went through lots of iterations. I think about like those earlier shows that she even talked about in later years, kind of succumbing to what producers wanted her to do and maybe having some people on the show that were a little bit more salacious. And then she got into the state later on where she was like, you know what? Like my name's on this building and my name is leading this show. Like I'm going to choose the topics that feel right to me. And I mean, isn't that what we all want to eventually be able to make our own choices and call our own shots? Like there's something that's so boss about that. And we admire those people because I think inside of us, We'd love to be able to do the same thing. Do you think this next generation, um, the millennials, you know, I actually mm-hmm. don't know what the generation after millennials is. But Gen Z. I is, just heard that. Yeah. Is Gen that who Z. they are? Mm-hmm. Gen Z, if you're listening, props, shout outs, <laughs> chase your dreams. Um, so the millennials, because I think they're more aware at the point and maybe listening to this episode. Do you think that the Gen Z has to do something with their mindset that would prepare them best for chasing their dream? I actually love the Gen X and Gen, uh, the millennials and the Gen Z people, actually. So I know it's weird because like my generation is supposed to start to like shift more towards get off my lawn kind of mentality. (laughs) (laughs) But, and in some ways I can do that. And I always check myself like, oh, Mo, like, look at you. You're like the get off the lawn person. But then in other ways, I kind of really love like their attitudes and the way that they're approaching life. Because I think that, at least for me, it was conditions of like, you get this job, it's like a stable job. And then maybe, you you know, you move once or twice. But for the most part, you kind of choose this one thing and you stick with it forever. And I love the fact that younger generations are saying, why do I have to do that? I don't need to subscribe to what you subscribe to. If I think that I can do it a different way, then I'm going to try that. And I love that they do that. And I think sometimes a lot of the hate from older generations actually comes because we didn't necessarily do that or we didn't have that blueprint or whatever the case was to be able to say that. And there was a bunch of reasons why we didn't have technology. We couldn't just start our own podcast back then or start a YouTube channel or whatever those cases is. So now the access makes it a lot easier to create your own job. Um, But I love the fact that they're still willing to go out and do that. It remains to be seen how that plays out in the long run. But in the interim, if you want to spend your twenties and early 30s, like trying to figure that out and experimenting and playing, then go for it. Why not? Because maybe one of those things will stick or eventually you'll say, you know what? I think I have to just get a regular job and then they'll figure it out at that point. I love that. 
I, I never really thought about that. That's actually a very good observation about that. I think it's accurate too. So let's flip the script now because for our generation and those who are elder, because it's never too late to chase your dream, right? You can do it at any point. What do you think they should do if they are listening to this now and think it's too late for me? First of all, it's never too late. So I would say the one thing that I caution against everyone is when someone tells me like, when I retire, I'll do this. I literally start to cringe because I think that the biggest problem that our generation has, and it's almost like a conditioning, if you will, is that we think we have a bunch of time. So on one hand, we say that it's too late, but then we still think that we have a bunch of time to get to retirement, knowing that who knows what retirement's going to look like. And the truth is not all of us will actually get to retire. So why are we saying in 20 years, I'll do this in 25 years, I'll do this. Why can't you do it now? Why can't you plan to do it now? So I think that's like the biggest thing. You have to kind of get rid of the mindset of I'll do it in retirement. So that's like the biggest thing. Just please stop saying that. Like if you're listening right now and that's what you say, I need you to just listen to that one thing and just stop saying that and really think about what can you do now. And I think that it can be something I always tell people, start really small. Start by writing out the things that you love to do when you were a kid and go see if it makes sense to try any of those things now. I think it'd be hard pressed to find something that you can't do as an adult that you used to do as a kid. Like if you used to love going on the swing, why can't you go on the swings as an adult? Like, don't be creepy about it, but go like to the park and like go play on some swings. Like it's, you know, just like try to connect to the part that's fun. I remember I was uh, talking to someone one time and Mm -hmm. it was a guy that I've been dating and he said, oh, you you just like to have fun too much. Like you need to grow up and become more of an adult. And I remember laughing and saying, okay, I'm not going to continue to date this person because ideologically we're very different. But secondly, it's like, well, what constitutes that? I pay my bills. I have my place. I have a job. These are all adult-like things, right? Like no one's coming for me with like debt collectors, but I also like to try to have a good time and enjoy the pockets of time that are free. And so I think that kind of shows the mentality of people thinking that somehow when you become an adult, like these things have to shut down. And so just write the list of things that you used to like to do as a kid and do one of those things. That's it. And see if you like it. I think the biggest thing of what you said right then is the fact that we're so tied to this timeline. For some reason, society has said you you work now, you play later mm-hmm. and you live later but you kind of just struggle right now and that you have to get married by x date you have to have kids by this date biologically that there there are limitations but you can adopt so f you know no to that also mm-hmm. you know i think it's all like the okie doke yeah it's like all of these systems that have been put into place like to make us feel like we have to do things at a certain time and all it does is like mess with our head and gets us like thinking about well, if I haven't hit this date by this age, something yes. might be wrong with me. And it's like, just, it's all the okie doke. It's like, you don't have to believe any of that. At the end of the day, you have to be happy with the life that you have and not hold it up to society. Because at the end of the day, we're all doing our own things. and We all have different paths, but like what path is going to make you happy? You know, it's interesting. If somebody's, if there was a news announcement tomorrow, and there, there probably is actually, I'm sure there will be that a 68 year old 
woman has graduated from medical school and will be a doctor. I am hard pressed to find anybody. I'm sure I would be who would belittle her for what she has done. In fact, I think everybody would be amazed and complimentary and just cheering her on. Absolutely. And you would have to, because that's an amazing thing. And that's a woman who said, you know what? I have a dream in me to become a doctor. And so that's what I'm going to do. But the part, right, is the fact that we're cheering her on is great. But I think what I, I'm always surprised by is why more people aren't doing that, embracing it. Like there should be more people we're cheering on, whether it's uh, the 68-year-old going to med school and graduating or the person who's changed their mind from being a lawyer and is now a food truck driver, but is so passionate and great at what he does. I think being comfortable is like a really nice place to be sometimes. And you don't even realize like how it can just be uncomfortable. So like if I were to sell, like think about if someone was trying to lose weight as an example and you say, okay, well, do you take the train every day? And the person says, yes. And say, okay, well, why don't you get off at one train stop before the one you get off now? So maybe instead of a five minute walk home, you'll have a 15 minute walk home. Most people will be like, oh, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's so much longer. It's three times. I'm not going to do that. But really, if, what are you doing? So when you get home, you're not wasting 15 minutes doing anything. Like you're just completely like reading books, like getting yeah. shit done. Like for 15 minutes, like absolutely not. But it's like that comfort mm-hmm. is so warm if you think about it. And it does require a certain level of discomfort in order to first try it. Like this is new. I have to create a space for it. I have to create time for it. Um, there was a woman that I worked with and I remember saying she had this huge passion for antiquing. And so she and her husband used to go on the weekends and go antiquing. They were really great at it and they'd be able to pick out these wonderful finds. They opened up their shop and she said, uh, but I closed it down because I was like missing my shows and I wasn't watching, like I was behind on my Netflix thing and uh, it was just too much work. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I just remember thinking, is that really why you don't want to do it? Because you were missing like the Netflix show that's going to be there probably for eternity. I think it was just, it felt too uncomfortable for her. And then later when I asked her about it, she said, well, I was kind of worried that maybe this job would find out that I had it. And I just thought I shouldn't do it anymore. And so again, it shows you, it wasn't about Netflix. She had this fear that, well, what if I kept going for this? And then it got so big that the company found out. And instead of thinking, if it got so big, the company found out, maybe that means I'm really successful. She looked at it as, oh, but then I'll lose my job. So she never saw the positive part of it. She only saw the negative. Yeah, Yeah. that's a great point. Mm -hmm. I think think we have a hard time. I mean, I think we honestly can say that there's a difficulty in this country, uh, around the world even, embracing different. Yes. Like if it's not traditional, if it's not something uh, that you've heard of, it does. It's not right. And the truth of the matter is, it that's probably what's wrong. Exactly. I 100 percent agree with that. 100 percent. Be different, or just be whatever you want. If you want to wear like a white shirt and black pants every day because that's what you want to do, that's fine. If you want to rock polka dots and stripes, then I think you should do that. Like I just feel like we just have this one life. Yeah. You should just kind of live it how you want it. Um, one thing I'll say about that, a quick antidote. I remember I went to this event over the summer and I wore these, these heels and I have a problem with my Achilles 
And I've gone to doctors and they're like, no, it's fine. Just rest it. And I'm like, no, it's been a year. Like I've been resting it. Like all I've done is gain weight, but my Achilles still hurts. Like it's more than, than you just telling me I need rest. Sure. And so I'm wearing these heels at this event and the speaker was Arlen Hamilton. She's this venture capitalist, huge big wig. And she was up there with black jeans, purple t-shirt and a pair of Air Force Ones. And I thought, why am I sitting here in heels with my Achilles throbbing Mm. when this woman who we're all here to see is rocking Air Force One? And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. Like if I feel like healthy enough to wear the heels, then I'll put them on. But if I just want to reach with my Air Maxes or my Air Force Ones, then that's what I'm going to do too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like why (laughs) kill yourself when, when... Honestly, is anyone really going to remember? But the thing is, even if they remember, like sometimes I think about it, like in that particular room, I think, am I going to see any of these people again? Yeah. And let's say maybe I see five of those people again. Well, if I'm seeing them again, then we probably established a connection that went beyond just what I was wearing. Right. So they didn't care if they still wanted to like talk to me and hang out with me after this. So I'm not going to care. And so I think about that too. A lot of times I say, when are you going to see these people again? And I remind myself of that when I think of those things in terms of what am I going to wear? Do I feel uncomfortable? Am I embarrassed to you know, give this speech or nervous to give this speech? I just kind of put myself in that mindset of take away some of that external pressure and then just go from there. I mean, you make a good point because the other thing is, right, who, why should we care? Right. I mean, y- you live your life. They live their life. Everybody's doing great. You know, I think judgmental judgment in today's society is very strong and apparent, and we need to kind of reel back from that a little bit. A hundred percent. And the thing is, it's just really like nobody's going to think about it afterwards. Like someone might judge you for like five minutes and then they've turned their head and now they're judging someone else or they're judging the hors d'oeuvres at the party or their train ride going home or the Lyft driver. Like it's all, it just shifts so quickly that it's like, just kind of don't worry about what other people are going to think all the time. You know, the other thing I got to say about that, because I, I was thinking about this recently and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, a comedian to hear more recently posted on Instagram um, that he had a bad day and he made a note about the fact that, you know, so often on social media, we only see the good times mm-hmm. that, you know, people don't realize even the social people have bad times too. And I think, you know, when you're judging, you don't know the full story. For sure. I posted something recently. So it was a picture mm-hmm. and the picture was like, yeah, I'm smiling. I'm in this ball pit. It's some like pop-up shop that was in New York. But I say behind the scenes of this picture, when I got to this place, my hair was down. I had a full head of curls. I had on earrings. In this picture, my hair is up because I was hot as hell and I was sweating to death. The earrings came off because they were itching my ears. So it's like, this is like behind the scenes of an Instagram photo. You're seeing this and you're thinking, oh, it looks like she had the best time. Right. But right before I took that picture, I was ready to go. I found the ball pit on the way to the exit. And then I said, oh, ball pit. I'm going to jump in here just because why not? It seems fun. How often do you go into a ball pit as an adult? And so I did it. But really, I put that post up so that people would know that's not what I thought this was going to be. And I was hot and I was uncomfortable and I was ready to go. And think of that every single time you look at an Instagram post and then want to say, I don't feel good about myself. There's always a story behind the picture. 
So, so true. So, so true. Oh, my goodness. Monica, I just love chatting with you about perceptions and what people are doing and just your observations are so spot on. I, we could keep going and going. But <laughs> I know I got before I let you go, because I know you got things to do. What is something, you know, after your own experiences, after having talked to over 60 people, um, you know, with the podcast or 60 episodes of the podcast, you know, what would you tell one person today? A dream chaser came to you. What is one action you would say, hey, go do this today if you're chasing your dream? Mm. I would ask someone to say, what's the one thing that if somebody told you like next Friday, next Friday was the last day you had, what's the one thing you would think? I wish I would have done this because if you give somebody that thought, I guarantee you one thing will pop in their head, whether it's, I wish I would have spent more time with my friend that moved to California, then that's a dream. Like people have to think of it that way as well. Like that dream is to go spend time with your friend in California. If your dream is, oh, I wish I would have written a book, then now, you know, that's the call that you have to answer, but really just give yourself that space to think it's almost like flipping a coin. You know, when you say, okay, what do I want to eat? Chinese food or Italian? And you flip a coin, you know, while that coin is in the air, what you really want the answer to be because you feel it. So to do the same thing with yourself, think about if by Friday it was all going to be over with, what is the one thing I'd want to do? And then do it or at least start it. And then do it, guys, and start it. Listen <laughs> to her. Listen to her. Monica, thank you so much for connecting, for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom. I loved every minute. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I'm so happy to be here. Keep doing great things. Keep chasing your dreams. And uh, I'd love to have you on my show one day. Dope. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's make it happen. How much fun is Monica? Like so much fun. And you guys can learn more about Monica and find all the notes and links we mentioned on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 165. That's episode 165. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. <laughs>